Baptist 21 is a pastor-led voice for Southern Baptists in the 21st century. The B21 podcast will discuss current issues in the SBC with Southern Baptist church leaders. To check out more resources, visit us at baptist21.com. Welcome to the Baptist 21 podcast, where we have conversations about what it means to be Baptist in the 21st century. And uh, I have with me today, uh, Nathan Knight. Nathan Knight is the pastor of Restoration Church. He's been a church planner. He helped plant that church. We'll talk more about that. Uh, He is a part of the Treasuring Christ Together Church Planning Network, and he has recently written a book called Planting by Pastoring, A Vision for Starting a Healthy Church. So we're going to talk some about that and get to know Nathan. Uh, Nathan, thanks for being on the podcast. Glad to be here, man. Thanks for having me. So you, I don't even know if it's still available anywhere, but you were on the Baptist 21 podcast with Joey who helped plant a restoration. I mean, this has got to be more than a decade ago. So uh, welcome back to the podcast, I should say. (laughs) It's true. That that seemed like three lifetimes ago. Yeah. It it is no reflection on how well or poor that interview went that it's been 13 years since we've had you back on. It's still going, man. uh, It's still going. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, glad, Glad to have you, brother. Well, hey, I want to get to know you a little bit first, just for our listeners. Um, and so just I want to start with this. Just briefly, how did you come to know the Lord and love him? And then how did you get into ministry? Raised in a Christian home, 19 years old, asked the question uh, that it's often it's an, had an observation that it's convenient that the one faith I think is exclusive happens to be the one I grew up in. That led me on a journey at the age of 19, wherein I just started seeing what Jesus said for himself, trusted in Christ at 19 was baptized in Shatterbrook, then called Shatterbrook Baptist Church in Suwannee, Georgia. Uh, met my wife there at that same church. Um, and uh, we then, I was in the business world for five years. Long story short, just kind of had the American dream, wasn't enough, and just started studying the Bible and went to seminary at, at the Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. <laughs> and uh, man, just honestly, John Hammett's class on the church, that changed my whole life. So, uh, mm. and the ministry of John Piper and the preaching of Danny Aiken, those three things pulled together. Good. Bring us today. Yeah. Hey, that was, those are sweet times. I remember us having a, a church planting group that just met to read yes. a book together. And, and many of those guys went to plant churches and, um, still yeah, it was, it? it was a sweet time. Yeah. yeah. Still doing it. Exactly. It was a sweet time. Hey, so normally we do sort of a quick get, get to know you kind of thing. I just, I'll ask four or five questions really quick. Answer just kind of first thing that comes to mind. You ready to go? Let's go, man. All right. Favorite book that's not the Bible. Ooh, and gosh. you can't say planting by pastoring. So <laughs> No, I would definitely not say that. Uh, gosh, I'll, I'll say the book that probably book that changed me the most was John Piper's God is the Gospel. Before I read mm. that book, I would have thought that forgiveness was the goal of the gospel. And then seeing that forgiveness uh, is the access to God, who is the great goal of the gospel. That book changed me. So I'd say that was my favorite. And you, did you read that before seminary? That was, yeah, that would have been before seminary. Yeah, right before. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Uh, favorite Christmas present as a child? Ooh, boy. Any G.I. Joe action figure, man. Any G.I. Joe action too, figure. Yeah, yeah would have been. Or yeah. or the accompanying things, you know, like the hovercraft and the, I got, a, I got the F-14 one time for Christmas. Mm. That would be it. Oh, that, that, that's, yeah, that's big time. We never even got that. <laughs> MJ or LeBron? Who, man, ugh, I'm not there a basketball a right, guy, a right but I, I'm an old school guy, <laughs> so I'm going MJ. 
Yeah, me too. Uh, favorite athlete of all time. You're a Tennessee Vol fan, which I don't know. How did you get to? You didn't grow up in Georgia, right? You grew up I, in Tennessee. I, no, I grew up in Florida, actually. But I born in Tennessee. Okay. Aunts, uncles, cousins. That's where I grew up. Was in Tennessee. Makes sense. Sense. Born there. Yeah. Grew up in Florida. Then got to Georgia. Came. So uh, I'm a big Tennessee football fan. So uh, I started following Tennessee when Heath Shuler was the man. He was one of the first dual. 21. Yes. Yes. He he didn't even have it. Yeah, it was like 21. Like no quarterback has number 21 anymore. I know. I know. It's, it's, and his son is on the team now, Navy Shuler, and they gave it back to him. But Oh, wow. I love that. Uh, I would say yeah. Heath Shuler is one of my favorites, just all-time Tennessee because he got me in. And then I'm going to say Ozzie Smith, Cardinals fan. Man was oh, yeah. an amazing defensive machine of whom is unparalleled. Incredible. Backflip into the, into the field. Yeah, he was amazing. Um, all right, last, last question to get to know you. The first time, when was the first time you ever preached on a Sunday morning? And do you remember the text? Oh, gosh. Yes and yes. So <laughs> I preached uh, at a little Baptist church there in North Carolina, about 20 minutes from the seminary. I can't remember the name of the seminary. I remember it was the church that that clay guy from American Idol went to. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, I think it was Leesville. Is it? It was a Leesville Road Baptist Church, I think. That sounds it. That's the one. Yeah. And I preached Joshua 1, 1 to 9. I still remember my three division points. It was be strong and courageous, uh, meditate on the word day and night, and I will be with you. Oh, wow. I love that. Was it Christ-centered? Not as much as it would be today. No, it was probably just on those main points, but it was not, I would not say it was as Christ centered. No. So that church has merged with a pillar church and is now pillar church. So I'm going to no see way. if we can go into the archives. I'm going to see if we can go into the archives and find that sermon. And, oh, uh, wow. And pop it Gosh, please don't dig it up. Please don't dig it up. <laughs> Oh. It'd be amazing. Um, well, but let's let's talk about let's talk about planting by pastoring. So um, this book just came out. In fact, I literally just got my copy yesterday, so I haven't even got a chance to fully read it yet. Um, let's start with this. Why why write this book? As a pastor, you're you're busy. You got a lot going on. Uh, why write? Why and it, this is really your first book, yeah. right? That you've written. Yeah. So why right. why this book? Yeah. So when we were coming through and Nate, you were going, we were meeting back in the day, we could find tons of resources, really helpful resources on contextualization and evangelism and uh, and multiplication. But one of the things that Joe and I looked for and could never really find was like, all right, I'm a church planner. I'm trying to start a church. Can you help me? Right. Can I have, can I find some resources on books that are actually talking about what a church is and what a church does in, in relation to planting? And then secondly, what a pastor is, since pastors lead uh, church churches, and so therefore I'm going to be a pastor. I should be thinking about pastoring in relation to planting, and uh, and then what the goal was of the church. Those three topics were just difficult to find, and so the burden in this book was to try to bridge that gap and put a resource in planters' hands that were answering those kind of rice and beans questions. Mm. You kind of give it's a two part breakdown, church planning, residency, church planning, mobilization. Talk us a little bit through the or, the kind of organization of the book. Yeah. So the first half is trying to get into those those main questions. All right. So uh, what is a church? What is it? What does it do? What's its work? Pastors lead them who are qualified to be pastors. Uh, and what does what does a pastor do since they're a pastor? So when, when the day you covenant as a church, I understand you're no longer a church plant. You're a pastor now. And so. Therefore, what do pastors do in relation to planting? That's that first part. 
Mm. Um, just really defining what a church is, what a church does, pastors, and that sort of thing. And then the goal of the church, which I argue is to treasure Christ together. That's the goal. And then uh, the second half of the book is really helping you think, all right, now that the church is planted, and even a little bit before, churches plant churches. So how can you have a relationship with churches? Basically, it's trying to to help us understand the mobilization side of the work on that second half. Mm. So let me ask you a question then about just a specific chapter. And, and you know, maybe this this could be controversial in some circles. So I but just want to ask it and, and let's talk through it a little bit because I'm I'm thankful for the title of the chapter. Yeah. But chapter two, uh, the title is Pastors, Not Entrepreneurs. So yeah. I think probably even in your mind about some of the things we were reading when we were kind of digging into this, it was the church planner has to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. You're specifically saying pastors, not entrepreneurs. Talk yeah. to me about. Talk to me about that chapter a little bit, but also why that uh, mentality. Yeah. So if you go through most um, church planting residencies or schools or uh, evaluations, this word entrepreneur comes up. And one of the things I want to say from the beginning, I'm not opposed to this notion of entrepreneurialness to a planter. I, I think it's fine and maybe even good to ask and evaluate a church planter's fitness for starting things up. Uh, from nothing. I think that's fine. My concern is, is my burden. And the reason uh, why I wrote this chapter and the other chapters the way that I did was I do think emphasis matters. And so therefore, what I see the church planting culture emphasizing is it's emphasizing these kind of business mentalities. And it's not emphasizing these kind of more basic things that scripture seems to emphasize. So people are going to say, yeah, fine. You know, first, first Timothy three qualifications of professor, whatever. But hey, can you, what's your calling? Hey, what's well, secondly, are, are you an entrepreneur? They're really emphasizing the business pieces more so than they are the Bible pieces. And so I'm trying to reverse that emphasis because I, I think that emphasis in scripture is there for a reason. And I think churches will be healthier uh, and last longer and plant more churches the more that we emphasize the things that the Bible emphasizes and try to de-emphasize, not get rid of, just mm -hmm. de-emphasize these more business aspects of the church. Practically speaking, let me just ask it like this. Uh, if, if a guy comes to you and says, hey, you know, I, I want y'all to, to pour into me. I want to be a church planner. What are the things, one, you're looking for in him initially? And then what are the things you're going to hope to try to, to produce in him and still in him? Um, so like as you're thinking, hey, like entrepreneur may not even be top 10, but what are the, some of the things you're looking for and the things that you're sort of wanting to, to help cultivate in that brother? Yeah. So if I can be a good Baptist and give you some alliteration here, that'd be. Please do. <laughs> so character, obviously, we're looking at their character, right? That's what Paul mm -hmm. seems to be emphasizing, right? He's, he's, he's walking through the First Timothy 3, Titus 1, right? The character of the man. I'm trying to evaluate that. And then second, secondly, I'm trying to evaluate his capability. Can he teach? Are they able to teach? You know, is he able to faithfully explain the word? And then third, I'm trying to evaluate his convictions. So again, Titus Chapter one, right, gets into this notion of are they able to, you know, refute those, teach the truth and then refute those that contradict it. So do they have convictions about these things? And uh, and then uh, also they're confident. Are they confident in those things? Do they hold them confidently? And then lastly, do they have compassion for the saints? Do they actually care about them or are they constantly doing that proverbial looking over the shoulder after church where they're not really looking them in the eye? So we want those things to be formed. And that's what I'm looking at is, do they have character? Do they have capability? Do they have conviction? Do they have confidence? And do they have compassion for God's sheep? 
Let me let me ask a question like this, and 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 if there's aspects in your book, just make make note of those. Again, we want people to pick this up, so we're just sort of trying to scratch the surface. But yeah. from the kind of the other side, that would say very, very much be pushing like entrepreneurial church planting and other things. But maybe just in some way, we could say uh, putting a ton of emphasis and weight on some of the practical things of, of church planting. What do you think, like guys in our camp who you know? I, when I saw your book, I'm like, man, I'm so thankful this book was written. Uh, but, but what are some things they, they say in that camp that maybe you do highlight in your book and you do say, hey, we do need to hear from that. And then we'll, we'll also maybe ask the reverse question in just a second. Yeah. So at the beginning of the book, I mentioned what I've, I've come to call the four S's. I made even since writing it could add a fifth S. And so that's again, here we go with some more alliteration. I just, I don't hey, well, I'm, I'm here. I'm here for it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't even. <laughs> Joey does. Joey, the other. Yeah. Joey. Okay. Anyway. So so four, four S's. I'll add a fifth S, but uh, for size, speed, self-sustainability, and spread. And I'm going to add the fifth one, span. So I think that what there's the entrepreneurial-minded folks are trying to get as much size as you can. And by size, it doesn't mean thousands. It could be 100. So size, get as much size as you can so that you can then uh, be self-sufficient, right, in your finances, right? And then you get, uh, and you get there quickly, as quickly as you can. And then you spread, you try to multiply as much as you can. And then fifthly, you do that over a long period of time, span. Hmm. All five of those things are, I'm for. I think those are good things. I want hmm. all those things. We're endeavoring to do all of those things. Uh, and so I uh, I think those things are good, what they're saying. So it's just, I don't like how that gets to define success. And there's my problem. So I'm, I, I receive, and I'm happy to talk about those five X's, S's but I don't think they should be the measuring stick. So then let's come in the, on the, the flip side then. What are the critiques of that size? Even you do have sort of in your conclusion, uh, defining success. So, so critique yeah. that and then talk about if what you're saying. You're looking at this guy, this hypothetical guy we're talking about. He goes out and you're saying, man, that, that brother was successful. How are you processing that? Yeah. So uh, at the end, in the conclusion, I share the story of Sean Branscombe, who was here in D.C. for five years, planted Pillar D.C., which kind of kind of went down and now it's kind of coming back. And um, but uh, not to be confused with Pillar Network. But, uh, <laughs> Only in Virginia does that pillar that those pillar churches get confused with Pillar. But hey, they're great, great brother. Okay, good, good. Yeah. So anyway, I have a meal with him. And basically this brother, I mean, he evangelized the lost. He cared for God's people. He preached the word. He cared for his family. I mean, he did it all, but they just, they didn't meet that five-year mark that so many people have mm -hmm. trouble with. And the temptation is, is those five S people, they look at that and say, well, he failed. And even that brother, I think, was sitting at that meal thinking he failed. But what I want to say is no, just because it lasted five years and you didn't get more than 30 people doesn't mean you failed. And matter of fact, I would argue that that brother succeeded more than some other stuff that has more notoriety. And so therefore, I, I do think it's good to talk about those five S's. But I want to say that what that brother did was not failure. But in fact, they did see people come to faith in Christ, but it wasn't 100. It was five, right? <laughs> they did form a church. A church was planted. They were fed. They were cared for. They were built up. They were utilized. They were mobilized even. And so therefore, it's better for us as Bible people to take the measuring stick that Jesus gives us and say, no, that's a win. Maybe, a, maybe this one lasted five years instead of 500, but it was still a win. Hmm. Anything else in the book that you think might, for that kind of the five S guys, be controversial uh, that you sort of try to unpack? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, probably the biggest thing would be just to, you know, 
to want to uh, go back at that notion of calling and multiplication. Those are the two things that come up in addition to the entrepreneurialness that I'd want to speak to my brothers like Ed Stetzer and folks like that, that I love and respect and are thankful for, is that your calling, your individual calling, if it in any way, if you are not faithful in those other C's that I mentioned earlier, character conviction, if you're not meeting those, it doesn't matter what your calling says, your personal individual calling. So I'd want to poke at that uh, yeah. and just say your calling, this subjective calling that is so strongly emphasized in church planning circles, if it doesn't match, uh, it doesn't come up underneath those other uh, C's, then they shouldn't be doing it. And then also multiplication. Uh, I've seen explicitly from big church planting networks where they are saying explicitly multiplication is the goal. And man, it's not. It's not the goal. Can I say it louder? It's not the goal, right? Me having more kids is not the goal. So the goal is Christ. And that is not a Jesus juke. That is just the truth. When we get to heaven, we are going to be exalting in Christ. And so if your church doesn't have that as the clear goal, then therefore you're not doing it right. That the goal is Christ. Mm, that's good. And you have a good chapter on, you know, I want to maybe just hear your thoughts on this, but a good, good chapter you have is seven sent and sustained by a church, not a parent church. For those who are wrestling through their personal call, if it is in any way disconnected from a sending church, uh, we would just really, both of us would say, find a church where you can do that. And that's the pattern we see in the New Testament. Um, any comments you want to make there, Nathan? Uh, yeah, man. It's I just think about, you know, Nate, you can speak to this as well. You think about how churches have formed us, how they've spotted blind spots, how they've uh, instructed us, you know, towards things. I think back to to the kid that was planting Restoration Church. Had I planted even earlier than I wanted to, I would have been an idiot and done all kinds of terrible things. But the elders of my church and the members of my church, man, they saw things in me that were spot on. I didn't like it, but they were spot on and they were so helpful uh, and they were instructive. And so therefore, their assessment of Nathan, not mine or a parachurch, that's like dating, right? Parachurches are like dating. You can, I can dress up, put some cologne on, and I can impress a gal for a date, right? But <laughs> churches, right? That's why you get married, right? You see all the ugliness, right? So therefore, churches are more like marrieds. Uh, and so therefore, I think churches are going to plant healthier churches uh, as opposed to parachurches because they see all of you and they speak into it lovingly so as to then get you ready to plant a church good. That's good. I'll, I'll just two more questions and I'll get you out of here. But I, I love the, the last chapter again. I've not read it yet. I love the title bricks, not straw. Talk yeah. to me about, talk to me about that title. Yeah. So, right. We all heard that story of the three little pigs, right? The three little pigs, they show up, right? They come in, one builds with sticks, one build with straw. And then they're kind of making fun of the third one that's building with, with bricks and they're out having the best of times. Everything's going great for the bricks and for, sorry, for the straw. And for the sticks until the big bad wolf comes along and blows those other two houses down and everybody runs over to the uh, the, br the brick house that the it took more time, more effort. And so that's the call. So let's let's plant churches. Let's be less focused on keeping up with, you know, uh, 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 population trends, although I want to do that. I want to do that. But again, it's a matter of emphasis. Let's be more focused on building with bricks and not with sticks and straw so that Christ would be glorified 
his people would be cared for, and the loss would be found and enveloped into a church that has brick solid, beautiful walls around it, not flimsy sticks and straw. Mm. Yeah, the goal uh, is having a good conversation with a pastor. We would we both know um, he's just saying, you know, my goal as a pastor, and it, it would be similar to your uh, statement just a second ago, the goal is Christ, is that I form disciples who on the last day stand mature before the Lord Amen. with a competent confession. Um, and so that's the goal in planting, that we would have churches that would be able to build mature believers who will stand before the Lord with a good conscience on the final day. Uh, and so the things we're doing is trying to form those sort of disciples as we as we establish churches. Man, look at all of the people in the New Testament. Look at those churches. Think about those the occasion of those epistles. Problems are happening, right? Yeah. People are not doing well. People are not enduring. Jesus says there's four kinds of soils, two of which mm-hmm. are people that take the name of Christ and don't endure. And so, man, right. we've got to have bricks of churches, not straws, to care for those people and make sure that they're doing well. And to know those people, again, even just thinking about why I would tell a young man to, to find uh, a sending church that's going to evaluate those things and help you form those things in you that may be lacking. Yes. I just think about Third John. I'm actually going to be preaching at Shadowbrook um, in a few weeks, yes. and we'll be yes. preaching the whole epistle there. And John knows, he's, he says there, I have no greater joy than the of my children walking in the truth. He knows uh, these missionaries that have gone out from his church and that guys has cared for and that's just a great picture of the New Testament uh, and the sort of work that we want to see happen. Who, who open should door, pick up? Was Open Door right. that way for you when you were sent out? Oh, company? I mean, hundred, hundred percent. And and still to this day, there, uh, you know, I'm back at Open Door now, serving after planting. But I mean, to this day, Dwayne Milioni has that sort of relationship. He had that relationship when I was gone from Open Door, uh, and I just, it's, it's invaluable. Uh, to have people who know you, who when you're struggling, you can go and share those struggles with. Uh, you need those in your own context, but it's wonderful to have fathers in the faith, um, you know, mature believers in the faith that that can speak into your life. Absolutely. Amen. Just get you out here on this question. So I, I want to know who's the audience for the book, because I, I want to make a comment as I'm just even th- thumbing through it. This is not just for church planters. Like th- this is a book on pastoring. So this mm-hmm. is for pastors. Yep. This is then for aspiring pastors. Uh, Christians, but as you're thinking through the audience of the book, certainly planners got to be in mind, but who else is the audience here? Thank you for that question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it is, it's aspiring planters, the teams of those planters. I've got a chapter in the book about not just mm-hmm. planting as a solo guy, but as planting with teams. And those teams could be pastoral staff and just regular folks uh, that come. So I would want those teams to kind of understand what they are endeavoring to form. And then a third group would be those pastors that have church planning residencies or or, or trying to start church planning residencies to send out pastors to help them understand, all right, what do we need to be doing? What kinds of things do, do we need to be forming? And if I could have one brief commercial, uh, Nate. So uh, we, do a church, we do a church planning weekender every November here at Restoration Church where people can come in and they just watch. They, get, they sit here for a few days in November and they just get to see kind of how we went about this. And we get people, all three of those groups can come. So Wives are welcome to that. We have a little wives track because they're a big part of church planning. And so uh, it's for planters, it's for their teams, and it's for um, pastors that are endeavoring to plant churches. That book is for that. The Church Planning Weekend is for that. Well, good stuff, brother. Appreciate uh, your labors and in, in, in putting this together. We will benefit from it greatly. Um, and yeah, uh, we won't wait a decade to have you on the podcast again. So, <laughs> well, Brother, thank you for having me on it at all. At all. Yeah. Thank God for Baptist 21, man. You guys are helpful. Yeah to us. 
Yeah, well, thanks, brother. And thanks for listening to the Baptist 21 podcast. Thank you for listening to the Baptist 21 podcast. To learn more about us, visit us at our website, baptist21.com. Also, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with others. It would really help us out. If you ever have thoughts or ideas for future interviews, please reach out to us at our email, baptist21 at gmail.com. Again, thanks for listening to the podcast.